It's Friday, time for another episode of the Liberty Update. Thank you guys again for joining us. On this week's show, we're going to take a deep dive into Dr. Fauci's replacement. As various mask mandates are being reconsidered this fall, someone is apparently taking Dr. Fauci's old place. We want to take a deep dive into who that person is. We will also discuss the national debt, which has recently crossed a major new concerning milestone. A praying football coach resigned after taking a stand for freedom. In an exciting update from the latest episode of See Us at Home, you won't want to miss any of these stories, so stay tuned and subscribe to this podcast. This is the Liberty Update with Jake and Bree. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Let's jump right in. last episode, we covered the possibility of mask mandates coming back this fall. Well, in just two weeks of time, that likelihood has turned into reality for some. Joe Biden's wife, Jill Biden, reportedly has COVID, and the president is sometimes following masking guidelines in public. A public elementary school in Maryland and a high school in Alabama have also instituted mask mandates. With the chances of health mandates rising, it's worth looking into exactly who is replacing Dr. Fauci. The infamous Dr. Fauci left the scene last year after 50 years in the federal government when criticism of his authoritarian COVID-19 decisions reached a fever pitch. One so-called expert fled public scrutiny and another problematic expert is taking his place. Get ready to start hearing the name Dr. Jean Marazzo. Marazzo is entering the scene this fall as the new director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Marazzo is behind the extremely controversial drug remdesivir, the medication that hospitals push on intensive care COVID-19 patients. Studies show that there are zero clinical benefits to injecting patients with remdesivir, and the drug can actually harm critical organs like the heart and kidneys. As cheap solutions like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin were criticized by officials as COVID treatment options, remdesivir was uplifted by Dr. Fauci and other officials as the standard of care. It became the first medication approved for fighting COVID and one of the most expensive. According to the Epic Times, a five-day treatment plan of remdesivir with private health insurance is priced at over $3,000. With ties to the pharmaceutical company Gilead, which is the maker of remdesivir, Dr. Marazzo supervised clinical trials of remdesivir as a treatment for COVID at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, where she served in a key administrative role. She called the drug a silver bullet to fighting COVID and expressed her strong support on social media. However, she never revealed her conflict of interest, which was the partnership between the University of Alabama and the drug manufacturer, Gilead. In November of 2020, the World Health Organization warned against remdesivir, and a study in the National Library of Medicine concluded that although casualty was not confirmed, the association between remdesivir and acute kidney injury should not be ignored, especially in older male COVID-19 inpatients. Dr. Marazzo has been called a Fauci clone. During the early days of COVID, she openly said hydroxychloroquine was being used in hospitals as a treatment, but by October 2021, she ridiculed advocates of alternative therapies, stating that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin hold special appeal to the unvaccinated. America's newest health leader carries heavy baggage with her. She's all for rigid health restrictions, quick to blame the unvaccinated, a backer of gain-of-function research, and closely connected to big pharma. She's already called on Americans to make personal sacrifices for the greater good, and she'll most certainly do it again. 
Well, we've got some less than exciting news from the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. According to their latest estimates, the U.S. government may soon be forced to spend more annually on federal debt interest than defense or entitlement spending. Let's break down a few numbers. Due to negligent deficit borrowing, the federal government is currently $32 trillion in debt. Just the news reports that interest payments in mid-2022 stood at just under $600 billion and now threaten to surpass other hefty expenditures, including the national defense budget, which currently accounts for 12% of all federal spending and nearly half of discretionary spending, and Medicaid, SNAP, and Supplemental Security Income payments combined. For reference, the U.S. currently allocates more for defense spending than China, Russia, India, Saudi Arabia, the United Kingdom, Germany, France, South Korea, Japan, and Ukraine combined. Yet interest payments are expected to exceed our military budget. In 2022, the federal government spent $559.9 billion on Medicaid, $119.4 billion on SNAP, and $58.8 billion on supplemental security income. Yet again, interest payments are expected to exceed those expenses, even as Congress makes no effort to curb its prodigious budget. The Washington Post recorded, quote, the federal government deficit is projected to roughly double this year as bigger interest payments and lower tax receipts widen the nation's spending imbalance despite robust overall economic growth. The senior vice president of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget confirmed this conclusion, stating the deficit will basically double from 2022 to 2023. This should prompt a serious evaluation of federal policy going forward, he said, although I worry it won't. Economists have been baffled by the current jump in the deficit, with former economic advisor to the Obama administration, Jason Furman, calling the increase, quote, truly stunning. The fact that it is so big in one year makes you think it must be some weird freakish thing going on, he said. So what we can see is boiling under the surface of an ostensibly robust economy is a serious an impending financial crisis all but ignored by Washington. It seems unlikely these reports will prompt anyone in DC to do anything about it, which is why if we want to make a change, and indeed we must, it will have to come from outside the federal government. Praying football coach Joe Kennedy has resigned and he is encouraging all Americans to take a stand for freedom. Kennedy is the high school assistant football coach from Washington State who was at the center of a legal battle after being fired in 2015 for praying on the football field. Kennedy didn't submit to the unconstitutional treatment, but rather defended his First Amendment right to freedom of religious expression in a seven-year legal battle. In June 2022, the Supreme Court ruled that Kennedy had a right to pray on the field after football games. The nation's highest court reaffirmed the right to religious freedom and expression in America, and Kennedy was reinstated to his former position on March 8, 2023. However, reports circulated on Wednesday afternoon that the coach officially resigned after his first game of the season. Standing solo for long stretches of time during last Friday's game, Kennedy felt like an outsider, according to CBN News. 
In his statement, he encouraged Americans to take a stand for freedom and our right to express our faith openly. Kennedy said, quote, I will continue to work to help people understand and embrace the historic ruling at the heart of our case. As a result of our case, we all have more freedom, not less. That should be celebrated and not disrespected. As I have demonstrated, we must take a stand for what we believe in. In my case, I made a stand to take a knee. I encourage all Americans to make their own stand for freedom and our right to express our faith as we see fit. Let's look to Kennedy with appreciation today for his courage in standing for freedom of religious expression. As he noted, we all have more freedom, not less. So let's band together to ensure our government doesn't continue to infringe on our constitutional rights. And now we have some exciting news this week on COS at Home. Dr. Kevin D. Roberts, president of the Heritage Foundation, announced that he believes the Article 5 Convention of States solution is, quote, the last best constitutional hope to restore our republic, end quote. Dr. Robert, who holds his doctorate in American history, taught at the collegiate level for several years, served as president of Wyoming Catholic College, and CEO of the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and now serves as the president of the Heritage Foundation, one of America's most respected conservative think tanks. In his exclusive interview with Convention of States' Jonathan Viad, Roberts laid out his personal COS journey describing how he went from skeptical about calling a convention to committed. While Heritage had not previously made its stance on COS publicly known, Roberts announced that after thorough review and consideration, were enthusiastically supportive. He said, in fact, he went so far as to say he would like to collaborate with our grassroots to help pass the COS resolution in state legislatures. Obviously, we're super excited about this announcement, and we would encourage you to go to conventionofstates.com and watch the full webinar. It's well worth your time. But in the meantime, here are a few exciting clips from Dr. Kevin Roberts, president of Heritage Foundation. I, I mean, I, I'm an optimist uh, and probably verge on uh, the, the border of being an idealist, which is to say, when I read that, even though I was an academic, I, I always thought, well, the founders were really bright men. They didn't put this in here for just academics to talk about. And while I thought it would be a long shot, like when I was a, a graduate student studying this 25 years ago, I thought it would be a long shot. I, I knew that maybe at some point the country would reach a stage where, as my friend Tom Lindsay at, at Texas Public Policy says, a big advocate for Convention of States, this is the last best constitutional hope to save our republic. And, and I guess what surprised me, sort of a negative surprise, not about Convention of States, but about the country's situation is that we got there, not just in my lifetime, but, you know, in a, at a relatively young stage. And thank goodness for you and for all the leaders of COS, all the grassroots activists and legislators who've made it possible because going from that academic mindset to the practical mindset in what, 15, 20 years is a short amount of time in the history of a republic and it's vital that we get this done. Again, we are thrilled for the Heritage Foundation's support, excited and grateful for Dr. Kevin Roberts joining us on COS at Home and excited to see what the future holds for these two organizations. Remember to go to conventionofstates.com and watch the full webinar. You won't want to miss it. That's 
That's all the Need to Know news on the Liberty Update this week. If you're interested in reading more details on these stories or watching videos or referencing sources, head on over to the Convention of States website where you can find all of that and more. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week.